You are listening to the weekly podcast of Fellowship Bible Church of Paragool. For more information about our church, please visit us at www.fellowshipparagool.com. This is probably one of the most important series we could do as a church for a couple reasons. One, because this entire Bible is about Jesus. The whole message from Genesis to Revelation, whether you know it or not, is actually about Jesus. And so if you don't understand Jesus, who he really is, it's going to be hard for you to understand the Bible. But also the reason this is an important series is because the real Jesus is so much better than the Jesus of our heads. The real Jesus is so much better than maybe the Jesus that you've heard about growing up or the Jesus that we've conjured up here in the religious South. That Jesus is boring. That Jesus is weak and he is unable to save us. Um, So here's what I want to encourage you to do in this series. Maybe for some of you, you're bored with Christianity. Maybe for some of you, your times in the Word are stagnant. Maybe God feels distant. Maybe you find yourself struggling with guilt and shame. And I just want to encourage you this morning to not assume that you know the real Jesus. Okay, let's, let's just not assume that just because we are in a church. I know for me, I, I grew up in church. My dad's been a pastor my whole life, which my dad and mom are actually here this morning. He's taking a, a break from preaching at the church he's usually at, so it's good to have them here. And so I grew up in a Christian home, was involved in every single activity that you could be involved in growing up, heard about Jesus, but I did not encounter Jesus. The real Jesus did not become real to me until I was 20 years old. And so for me, when I grew up, I grew up a very moral guy for the most part. Um, if you would have saw me in the high school hallways, you'd probably say, he's a pretty good dude. Right? You'd probably thought that I was a Christian, but the reality is my heart was dead on the inside and I was lost. Though I was raised in church and faith was important to our family, to me, Jesus was really nothing more than a ticket, if you know what I mean, to get me out of hell and into heaven. That's who he was to me. But then when I was 20 years old, I met the real Jesus. And it absolutely changed my life. It radically changed me. To where immediately I wanted to build my life on him. I wanted to follow him and I wanted other people to meet the real Jesus. Because he is worth it. He is beautiful. When you meet him, you can't get enough of him and you can't shut up. I mean, the reason we planted this church is because I wanted the religious South to meet the real Jesus. We have a church building on every corner in the city. But I don't believe that there are scores of people in our city who have met the real Jesus. In fact, I believe the opposite. I believe that many people have settled for the religious Bible Belt Jesus who is unable to save us, who is not powerful, who can do nothing for us. And so what we want to do in this series is we want to dive back into the Scriptures. We want to forget everything we've ever been taught about Jesus. And we want to go to this Bible and we want to learn who the real, historical, biblical Jesus is. And one of the quickest routes we can take back to Him is in Matthew chapter 5. So that's where we're going to be. Matthew 5, it's entitled The Sermon on the Mount. Jesus didn't title it that. It's not like he stood up and was like, here's a sermon today. It's called the Sermon on the Mount. Um, We just gave it that title later. But it's the greatest sermon that has ever been preached in the history of of, of mankind. And we're going to just dive into this over the the next several weeks. And we're going to learn 
who the real Jesus is based off of what he says in his sermon. So look with me, Matthew chapter 5, and we're just going to look at one verse today. Verse 3. Jesus stands up, and this is the way he opens his entire sermon. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Let's read that together. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Three simple questions that I want to answer this morning based off of this text. What does Jesus mean by blessed? Who are the poor in spirit? And what does he mean theirs is the kingdom? Those are the, the three questions. First question is, what does Jesus mean by blessed? And you've got to get blessed because he's going to be saying it over and over again in this sermon. The word for blessed actually comes from the Latin word which means to be happy or to be fortunate or to be congratulated. To be blessed means happy are they, fortunate are they, congratulated by God are they who live in this way. And I want you to know it's not a wish that Jesus is saying here. It's not wishful thinking. It's not a hypothetical. It's not even a probability. He's not saying chances are good if you live this way, you could have a happy life. Chances are that if you live this way, you actually be pretty fortunate. No, Jesus says this is a fact. This is a fact. If you live in the way that I'm going to tell you, you will be happy. You will be fortunate. You will be celebrated. You will be congratulated. And so what you would expect him to say next is what we hear from the world. Happy are they, the world would say, that are rich. Happy are they who get the good degrees and get the good jobs and build up a big retirement fund. Happy are they who have it all together. Happy are they, fortunate are they who are popular. Or if you're in the religious south, you would expect the real Jesus to say, happy are they who obey all of the rules and live an incredibly moral lifestyle and look great on the outside. But Jesus actually says something the complete opposite. He says, blessed are the poor in spirit. Now, what does he mean by the poor in spirit? Who are the poor in spirit? Well, he's not just talking about those who are financially poor. Some of you are here and you're financially poor and you read this and you're like, sweet, that's me, I'm blessed. Like, I am so poor. This is great. He's not talking necessarily about those who are financially poor. It could be those included, but that's not specifically who he's speaking of. Nor is he talking about those who just walk around thinking they're losers. That's not what it means to be poor in the spirit, just kind of like, you know, walking around like, I'm terrible, woe is me. That's not what he's talking about either. But here's what Jesus means. When he's talking of the poor in spirit, here's what he's saying. Blessed are those who know they are spiritually bankrupt before God. Blessed are those, fortunate are those who understand their sinfulness and their rebellion in light of God's holiness. Blessed are those who know they have nothing at all to offer a holy, perfect God. He says if you get this, if you live with an awareness that you are spiritually bankrupt, that you have nothing before God, you are the blessed ones, you are the fortunate ones. Now, for some of you, that might blow your mind this morning, but think about in this culture how crazy of a statement this would have been. Actually, when we get to the end of the sermon, we will see in Matthew 7 that the people that heard it were confused by this. 
Because here's what Jesus is saying. Listen to this. You've got to get this. When Jesus says, blessed are the poor in spirit, blessed are those who know they're spiritually bankrupt before God, listen, guys, what he is also saying is to those of you who think you have it all together, you're going to hell. To those of you that think, I figured this out. I'm a pretty good, decent person on my own without Jesus. You're lost. He's saying to those that are there, those of you that think you count, and you think you're important because of the things you've accomplished, in the end, you'll realize you're not important. Those of you that, that think you've aced everything and that, that you pass, in the end, he says, you fail. And in the same breath, you know what he's saying? It's really scandalous. He's looking at the sinners. He's looking at those who we consider to be the whores and the porn addicts and the hypocrites, and the failures, and the those that we would say are idiots, and weaklings. And he's saying, if you turn to me, you are so blessed. You are so incredibly fortunate. Guys, this is groundbreaking stuff for those listening. The religious leaders of the day, do you know what they were saying, the pastors of the day? They would look at the poor in spirit, and they would say, those people, they're what's wrong with society. And then Jesus comes on the scene and says, those people are the ones that I'm going to build my kingdom with. It's unbelievable. It's the greatest news on the planet. Who are the blessed? Who are the happy? Who are the fortunate? Who experiences the true joy? It's those who are honest before God where they sit, that even on my best days, I deserve hell. Jared Pickney does not deserve heaven because I grew up in a Christian home. I do not deserve heaven because I planted a church or because I preach. I do not deserve heaven based off of anything that I've done. In fact, on my best days, when all things are clicking on all cylinders, I deserve hell. We do not impress God. The prophet Isaiah says that your righteousness is as a filthy rag before God. And Jesus is saying, blessed are those who get that, not just in their head, but in their heart, that I am a sinner deserving of the wrath of God, but rather than God giving me what I deserve, in His grace and mercy, He sends His Son, Jesus, to come and live a perfect life for me. I can never live in a die of death that I deserve to die so that I can stand before God holy and blameless and accepted. Do you believe that this morning? Is that truth settled into your heart? Do you want to know how you can tell if you've really embraced this and grabbed it? You will stop living with a sense of self-entitlement. And you will live with a heart of gratitude. You will be so thankful. So joyful. Even on our bad days, we'll say, you know what, well, at least it's not hell. That's what I deserve, but I don't get it. Praise be to God. Probably the place that I've seen this most clearly recently was when I was speaking at a, a drug rehab in Missouri, Shepherd's Fold Ministry. And uh, BJ was there with me, and, and of course Samantha's been there, and Tim Parrott, he's been there with me before. And I'll tell you what, there's probably only about 30, 35 people there for their services on Friday nights, but... They would blow the roof off of this place in their worship. Am I right, BJ? It's freedom, isn't it? 
you leave so refreshed and joy-filled. I mean, whether it's raising their hands, you know, jumping around. Some people are, are you know, are down like this and they're just praying before God. Some are crying. Some are, are just smiling and they're laughing. They are free and they are so joyful and they are so thankful. And do you know why that is? Because they know they are a wretch. They have come to an end of their rope and they know they are in desperate need of Jesus Christ. They are people who are poor in spirit, so they feel blessed. Even when it's a bunch of dudes crammed into an old building, and they're pulled away from all their family, and they're probably not eating just the greatest meals in the world, and their living arrangements are not perfect, but they feel blessed because they are people who are poor in spirit. And I'll be honest, as I was thinking about this message and I was thinking about the attitudes of some of us in our church, I couldn't help but wonder, are we really a people who are poor in spirit? Or are we a people who are proud in spirit? Are we really a people who are desperate for Jesus Christ right now? Or are we a people who are more desperate for the things of the world? Are we a people of gratitude? Do we come here thankful Ready to pour out thanksgiving to God? Or are we a people who come here with entitlement of the message better be good and the music better be the way I want and God better do something for me because by golly, I'm so impressive that God should be doing something for me. Do we come? Do we live our lives with this awareness that we're broken? And are we okay with that? Are you really okay with admitting that you're broken? Or do you come here each week trying to save face? trying to think about what do other people think about me. I hope that other people think I'm awesome. I hope that other people validate how great I am. Because that's a dangerous place to be. Nothing will kill a church quicker than that kind of mindset. The church of Laodicea, many of you, if you've grown up in, in church, you've heard about the church of Laodicea. They're the ones where the, the famous passage came from where Jesus said, I wish you were either hot or cold, but because you're lukewarm, I will spit you out of my mouth. And the Greek word for spit there, you may know what it means? Spit. That's right. And so it's my seminary degree working for you, Jim. Um, Jesus says to a group of people, just like you and me, I wish you would either go all in or I wish you'd live like a complete pagan. But would you please quit straddling the fence and trying to do both? Either go all in for me or just live like hell right now. There are people who are living lukewarm, and here is why they were living lukewarm. Jesus says in Revelation three seventeen, You say, I am rich, I have prospered, and I need nothing. Got everything I need. Go help other people. They're the ones that need the help. I don't need help. You hear that, guys? Everybody else needs help. I don't really need help. Pray for them. Don't really pray for me. I'm good to go. You say, I'm rich. I've prospered. I need nothing. Not realizing you're wretched, pitiable, poor, blind, and naked. This is a church that said, look what all we've accomplished. This is a church that says, I think I'm doing pretty good. And Jesus looks at them and he says, you know what you need? You don't need to just sit back and brag about all what you've done. You need a fresh awareness of how weak and how poor and how broken you still are. 
And that's exactly what Fellowship Bible Church needs. If we are ever going to be a church that makes a difference in the city of Paragold, if we are ever going to be a church that is going to be blessed, do you know what we need? Humility. We need to be low before God. We need to confess to God and to one another, you know what, I'm still jacked up. I'm still broken. I actually realize that I need Jesus more now than I thought I ever needed Him. And that's whenever our church will be blessed. And that's where we as individuals will be blessed. And that's really the whole point of the sermon. I'll put it on the screen for you. I think we have it. Here's the one point I want you to walk away with this morning. I want you to know Jesus is attracted to the weak. You hear that? He's not attracted to the strong. He's attracted to the weak. And here's the main point. Because the real Jesus is attracted to the weak, here's what that means. Here's the good news. Your brokenness, not your goodness, your brokenness is a breakthrough for God's blessing in your life. You hear that? The religious Jesus walks on the scene. And you know what he says? He says, woe to the weak. But the real Jesus walks on the scene and he says, the weak are actually the winners. The weak who admit that they are weak, they're the ones who are fortunate. The real Jesus walks on the scene and he says, the failures are the fortunate ones. When they admit that they are failures and they take that failure to Christ and give it all to him. That's when you experience a blessed life. And this is not what Jesus says all through the Gospels. I mean, in Mark 2, 17, what does he say? I didn't come for those who think they are well. If you were here this morning and you have it all together, Jesus has nothing for you. I didn't come for those who think they're well. I came for those who know they are sick and need a physician. You believe you're sick today? You believe you still have areas of your life that Jesus needs to touch? Then you're in a good place. Please hear this. If you're zoned out, zone in for this. For some of you, I believe this in all of my heart, some of you that are here this morning, you serve faithfully. You may even sing to the songs. You're involved. You're in a missional community, but you have a barrier between you and the real Jesus. And you know what it is? The obstacle keeping you from the real Jesus is not your bad deeds, but it's your damnable good works. Some of you do not have an intimate, passionate relationship with Christ because of all the good stuff that you've done that you're banking on that makes you think that you're better or that you deserve heaven now or that God's just glad to have you on His team. For some of you, the barrier between you and Christ might be your version of Christianity. That's what we're discovering right here. As Ed Stetzer says, Bible Belt people need to be saved from their salvation. And they need to come to Jesus. Some of you think you're saved this morning. And you think you know the real Jesus because you're a pretty good guy or a pretty good girl. And what Jesus is saying, what Ed Stetzer is saying here, is that true salvation, a true blessing occurs when you realize that you are spiritually bankrupt before Christ. You're not saved because you prayed a prayer. You're not saved because you've grown up in a Christian home. You're not saved because you give to a charity. You're not saved because you serve here on Sunday mornings. You're not saved by your good works. You are saved only by the perfect work of Christ on your behalf. We all need Jesus. 
And listen, you don't just need Jesus at conversion and then mature to a point where you need him less and less and less and less and less. No, you need Jesus at conversion and you need him every second of every day. You want to know how you're maturing as a Christian? Not when you come to a place where you say, I need Jesus less and less. But it's where you realize how sinful you are and how holy God is and how the only possible bridge to that gap is the cross of Christ. And so what happens is when you mature as a Christian, Jesus actually becomes sweeter and sweeter and sweeter to you. Not someone that you need less and less and less. Maybe some of you here this morning, you say, well, I don't think I have any sin in my heart. I think I have matured to a point of perfection for the most part. I had a guy tell me that a couple weeks ago. Well, the Bible says in 1 John 1, you're a liar and the truth is not in you. Guys, sin lurks in all of our hearts right now. And did you know that it even lurks in our goodness? There are some things that we would consider to be the bad sins that we all feel like guilty over, even those that are non-Christians. But then there are other sins that we feel good about. A guy cheats on his wife, he feels bad about that. But what about whenever we look down on the guy that cheats on his wife? Just as evil as a sin that made the guy cheat on his wife. And yet we do it, and those sins often flatter us and make us feel good about ourselves because we say, I would never do something like that. I'm such a good husband. How could that guy do that? Sin lurks, guys, even in our goodness. And the problem is, God cannot have company with sin. Which is why we are right now, even sitting here, and some of us sinning while we sit here, are in 100% in need of Jesus Christ and His perfect righteousness on our behalf. The real Jesus wants to be real with you this morning. He wants to bless you, but will you be real with Him? Will you admit, I'm broken? I'm a sinner. I'm jacked up. I'm weak. If you will admit that, Jesus says you are the one who will receive the blessing. And what is the blessing? He says, yours is the kingdom. What does he mean by that? Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom. Here's what Jesus means. In one sense, what he is saying is the poor in spirit are really the ones who are saved. You want to know how your children, if you can tell if your children have really met the real Jesus. Some of you are like, hey, is my kid saved? How do I know? Or you want to know how someone's truly converted? I'll tell you the number one thing that I always look for is humility. I look for humility and I look for a spirit that is poor in spirit. Jesus says that's how you can detect if someone is a true Christian. They are a humble person who is low before God, who understands they're spiritually bankrupt and they need Jesus. He says you are the ones who will receive the kingdom. It's the humble. In James 4, it says, God gives grace to the humble, but he opposes the proud. God will not accept a prideful heart. So when Jesus says, theirs is the kingdom, he's saying, you are the one who will experience true joy and true peace in heaven. You are the one who will enjoy the overflow of God's perfections for all eternity. 
But the blessing isn't just about a future blessing. It's also about a present blessing as well. As Pastor Luke talked about last week, he said that when Jesus came on earth, what's the first thing that he said? He said, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. The poor in spirit can actually begin to experience the future reality of the kingdom breaking into your life today. Do you know what that means? The poor in spirit can actually begin to experience true joy today, no matter what your circumstance is. The poor in spirit can experience true peace today, no matter what you're going through. You can experience, like never before, the presence of God and the power of God in your life. And who does not want that? We all want that. That's why we're here this morning, right? You didn't come here because this is a hobby. You came because you want to meet the real God. You want to experience His presence and you want to experience His power. And the way that you do that is not by making yourself better. It's not by trying harder. It's by confessing that you are in desperate need of Jesus Christ. And it's by submitting all of your life to Him. Guys, the real Jesus is attracted to your weakness. Therefore, it is your brokenness that is a breakthrough, not a barrier, a breakthrough for God's blessing. Do you believe that today? The way to become spiritually wealthy is by first admitting that you're spiritually impoverished. The way to being filled is by admitting that you're empty. The way to experience an abundant life is by letting go of this life and claiming it all for yourself. Some of you need to become Christians this morning. You need to meet the real Jesus. You want to meet the real Jesus? Or is He too beneath you? Please don't leave here an enemy of God. Too smart for Jesus. Too cool for Jesus. Too broken for Jesus. You want to experience His presence. You want to experience His power. You want to experience a joy that you've never experienced and a peace. It comes from doing this. Here's what you do this morning. As we come to a close, here's what you need to do. If you've never met the real Jesus and you want to meet Him this morning, here's what you have to admit to God. Here's the only way to Him. You admit, God, I know that even on my best days, I deserve hell. In fact, God, all you owe me is hell. And Father, I believe that I actually have hell coming for me if it is not for the fact that Jesus has taken hell on my behalf first. It's by admitting to God where you sit right now that I really do deserve death, but I believe Jesus has tasted death for me so that I can live forever. It's admitting to God that there is nothing good in me except for Christ, who is good alone. If you will admit that this morning, Jesus says, you folks will be blessed. If Jesus is perfect, what he says is perfect. Do you believe it this morning? Do you believe that's the way to the blessing? He says, admit you are broken, and you'll be fortunate, and you'll have life, and you'll be congratulated and celebrated in heaven by the angels and the Father. This morning, we want to be reminded of what Christ has accomplished for us. We'll do that as we sing another song.
And then we will also up here have communion. Um, and we invite everybody to partake of communion, whether you're a part of this church family or not. But the communion will be set up here. And, and what we need to be reminded of each week, every single week, as we come and take communion, is that we were so incredibly broken that it took the death of God's Son to save us. And so we come here and we partake of the bread and be reminded that, that the way to salvation is not through me living a perfect life, but as we take the bread, it's being reminded of Jesus' perfect life on our behalf, so we don't have to be perfect. And as we dip the bread into the juice, we're reminded that he shed his blood for us to atone for all of our sins. Jesus is the only perfect human being to ever live, and he came and died for an imperfect people so that we can now be treated as he deserves to be treated. That's what we're reminded of in communion. And then beside the communion, we will have giving baskets. And what I want to encourage you to do is if you are here and you are not a part of this church family, you are a visitor or you are a non-Christian, we do not ask you to give anything. We don't want you to give anything. We just want you to receive. But for those of us who are Christians, we want to be a grateful people, right? We want to have hearts of gratitude, not self-entitled hearts. And those who are poor in the Spirit, we come and we give. And we say that everything that we have is a gift from you. We were bankrupt before you, and you've given us all that we need, spiritually and physically. And communion and giving is a way that we receive, and then we give back to God for what he's already given us. And so we encourage you to participate in that if you're a part of this family. I want to pray for us, and you can stand together. And I'll ask the band to come forward. And here's what I want to encourage you to do. I want to encourage you, would you please not allow the enemy to rob you of the words spoken to us from Jesus this morning? It is so easy for us church people to come here and think that we've done God a favor by listening to some songs and some preaching without letting it change our hearts. And so would you just ask the Father right now to search your heart through His Holy Spirit to reveal to you areas of pride, to reveal to you areas where you are blind to the sin in your life, to help Him reveal the real Jesus to you, so that he becomes sweeter and sweeter and you begin to live and we begin to live lives that look more and more like him. Father, we do come to you now and we come humbly. How arrogant it is for us to believe that you owe us anything. You created us. We are only here because you have given us the breath to live. Father, we are poor and we are powerless. Help us to believe that more. Help us to be a people that are so celebratory, people that are joyful, people that have hearts of thankfulness, people that don't live with entitlement thinking we do deserve this house or we do deserve these cars or we do deserve your heaven. Help us to believe that everything we have is grace and therefore to live incredibly generous lifestyles. Generous and happy with peace. Father, if there is someone that is here this morning right now that is lost, would you please be gracious to them? Would you pursue them and would you save them? 
Help them to see their desperate need for the real Jesus. Father, you were so gracious to me when I was 20 years old that despite my rebellion, that despite living a double life, that despite flipping you off of my lifestyle and, and living an unthankful life, you still broke into my life, into my bedroom, and you saved me. Would you please, would you do that for someone here this morning? I want them to experience the joy and the peace that comes from knowing the real Jesus. And it's in his name that we pray. Amen.